Kale Clark here. Thanks for listening to my podcast. Check out Charity Mobile and prayerfully consider making them your wireless carrier. Mention offer code Relevant Radio and get a free phone. Don't delay. CharityMobile.com. That's CharityMobile.com. This is Kale Clark, and this is The Faith Explained on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio mobile app. Thanks for joining me once again for our series on Romans, and we are in Romans chapter 8, the most favorite passage in the Bible for so many of you, and there's so much to talk about here. We could honestly do about a month just in Romans chapter 8. We're not going to do that, but I do want to highlight something that I just can't resist, and this is found, of course, in verse 24. For in this hope we were saved. That's Romans 8.24. And of course, you know that that was the verse that was essentially the basis for an encyclical by the great, the late great Pope Benedict XVI called Spe Salvi, because of course, that is the rendering in Latin. For in this hope we were saved. Spe Salvi means saved in hope in Latin. And of course, Every encyclical is really based off of the first couple of words in Latin. That's the title. And so this is the encyclical on hope from Benedict, and it was his second papal encyclical. And if you haven't read it, I would highly suggest reading it. It's always a good thing to read for uh, your daily spiritual reading. Read one of the papal encyclicals. And one of the great things about Pope Benedict is that he's such an apt teacher, It's often been said that people went to Rome to see John Paul II, but they went to Rome to hear Pope Benedict. Not that JP II wasn't a great teacher as well. He certainly was, but he was incredibly deep. And some of the concepts that he talked about, if you've ever tried to read his stuff, you know what I mean. Even scholars really were challenged by JP II's writings. But Benedict was very, although equally as sublime in terms of his intelligence, with a mind as sharp and as brilliant as a diamond, But he was very well known for making the faith understandable, very clear in his teaching, both uh, written and spoken. Uh, Maybe this is the German in him, just the clarity, the orderliness of it all. But I really like his stuff. And I just want to give a a little rundown of some of what he talked about in Space Salvi. And again, I highly encourage you to read the encyclical for yourself. You can find it online very easily on the Vatican website and elsewhere for free. But one of the things that that, uh, Pope Endic said in Space Salvi was that, which came out again in 2007, he said that salvation is given to us, quote, in the sense that we have been given hope, trustworthy hope, by virtue of which we can face our present. The present, even if it is arduous, can be lived and accepted if it leads towards a goal. If we can be sure of this goal, and if it is great enough to justify the effort of the journey, end of quote. I just love that because really what Benedict is saying here is simply this. We can endure almost any how if we are clear on our why. If we're clear on why we're doing this, why we are enduring what we have to endure. I think about, of course, Viktor Frankl, uh, who very famously wrote Man's Search for Meaning, following his experiences in the Holocaust, World War II, in a concentration camp. 
he was able to survive. But he said that many of the people who were also in the concentration camp, they did not survive. The people that had no hope didn't last very long. And they would succumb to despair. Uh, they would get physically weaker. And they would often die, even if they weren't killed by the Nazis, they would die sometimes simply by having a loss of, of human hope. And so this virtue of hope, which is really one of the supernatural virtues of faith, hope, and love, these three theological virtues, is something that we have to foster in this life. And if we can understand what our purpose is, if we can understand what our destiny is in Christ, we can endure the present and even spiritually profit from it somehow. And so this, this is a really great point by Benedict. He also said this about our future. He said, quote, we have a future. It's not that they know the details, and he's talking about believers in Christ. It's not that they know the details of what awaits them, but they know in general terms that their life will not end in emptiness. The gospel is not merely a communication of things that can be known. It makes things happen and is life-changing. The dark door of time of the future has been thrown open. The one who has hope lives differently. The one who has hopes has been granted the gift of a new life, end of quote. And this, this is really important when he said that the gospel is not merely a communication of things that can be known. We can't look at the gospels. We can't look at the entire New Testament. as just some sort of a dry history book. And it's good to know this information about the life of Christ. It's good to be aware of it in general terms. Absolutely not. He said the gospel makes things happen. It's life-changing. And this is what the letter to the Hebrews really talks about when it, when it says that the, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And it cuts right to the heart. It, it, it really is, is so crucial that when we read the life of Christ, when we read other documents about him in the New Testament, it changes us. It can change you. It can change me and affect our current life and really rewrite history in a certain sense. It's the history of God with us. And that's what we're kind of in right now. We're, we're kind of in the Acts of the Apostles extended, if you will. This is the Acts of the Apostles version two, the history of the church now. I love that. Here's another quote from, from Space Salvia. I just want to give a few of them just to give you a flavor, hopefully encourage you to read it yourself and really profit from it spiritually because it, it just so plays into what we're talking about in Romans. And of course, that verse is from Romans 8. In this hope we were saved, Romans 8, 24. The Pope writes this, Pope Benedict, to come to know God, the true God, means to receive hope. The Ephesians understood this very well. And in St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he told them this. He said that they were without hope and without God in the world before they found out about Jesus Christ. Now, it's kind of interesting, and it's the same is true when St. Paul was writing to the Romans as he was writing to Ephesus. It's still in the Roman Empire. Really very similar social situation. There's the pantheon of gods, the Greco-Roman pantheon, all these false gods, including the Caesar, the emperor, being worshipped as a divine being, as a divine son of God. Not the case. Jesus is the real son of God. We know that. But because they, they had pinned their hopes on all these false messiahs and false gods, they really didn't have any hope. And here's what Benedict said in Space Salva. He said, quote, we who have always lived with the Christian concept of God and have grown accustomed to it have almost ceased to notice that we possess the hope that comes from a real encounter with this God. End of quote. This is the one thing that we really have to avoid. 
that we get so used to it. We're kind of lulled to sleep, if, if you will, a spiritual slumber. We're really, really tempted to forget it, it, maybe if you're an adult convert to the faith, you, you kind of forget if you've been a Catholic for a long time, you forget maybe the despair that you had without God in the world prior to your conversion. Or if you're a cradle Catholic, who kind of was always in the church, maybe you've had your ebbs and flows in your spiritual life, but you need to kind of understand, and maybe this only happens by having conversations with them, you need to understand what people outside of the church are dealing with, the hopelessness of life without God. And the ways that they try to fill that void, as St. Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. We can never get so complacent and so used to this. It's it's really the death knell for our relationship with God. Any, any kind of complacency, and it's true for any serious relationship. Marriage, if you take your spouse for granted, it's going to have deleterious effects on the relationship. And it's the same for our divine spouse, Christ, the bridegroom, the divine bridegroom. He really wants to enter into this loving relationship with you and I. We've got to make sure that we never get used to that, never take it for granted. All right. You're listening to The Faith Explained on Relevant Radio. I'm your host, Cale Clark. Again, we're looking at St. Paul's letter to the Romans. In Romans 8.24, he writes, In this hope we were saved. And that is the title of Pope Benedict's second encyclical, Space Salve. Here's Saved in Hope. And this is another paragraph from that encyclical. He writes this, Pope Benedict, quote, He said that, Jesus didn't bring, quote, a message of social revolution, end of quote, like Spartacus. I mean, like Kirk Douglas, if you remember that movie. He also says, nor was Jesus engaged in a fight for political liberation like Barabbas or Bar Kokhba. Now, of course, Barabbas, we know, Bar Kokhba might need a little bit more explanation. But Barabbas, of course, um, people were given a choice. Should Pilate said, should I release Barabbas to you or should I release Jesus, who is thought to be the king of the Jews? Well, of course, the name Barabbas means son of the father. Bar means son, like Simon Bar Jonah, Simon son of Jonah. And Abba, of course, means father. St. Paul talked about this in Romans already. So, of course, this teaching goes back to Christ. So, in essence, the people picked the wrong son of the father. (laughs) No kidding. They chose Barabbas instead of the true divine son. Now, Bar Kokhba led what was called the Bar Kokhba Revolt. He's one of many failed political figures, false messiahs, who people trusted in to try to solve their problems on the political level. But as Benedict says in Space Salve, what Jesus brought was something totally different. An encounter with the Lord of all lords, an encounter with the living God, and thus an encounter with a hope stronger than the sufferings of slavery, a hope that transforms life and the world from within, even if external structures remain unchanged. And, and unchanged. Uh, end of quote. And I guess you could say unchained too, because w- what happens if the external situation stays the same? Well, you try to change it if you can. Obviously, we want to try to change the the world for the better if we can and make it in, more in conformity with the, the truth of the human person and the truth of God. And this is why Christians really re- led the fight against slavery in the world. It continues to be a problem with human trafficking. Slavery still exists. and In some ways, it's more pervasive than ever, just in different ways. But Abraham Lincoln realized, I have to do something here. I have to make a difference because as the United States begins to expand westward, 
people, powerful oligarchs, want to create essentially a nation of slavery. They want to expand slavery from the South all the way across to the West. And I can't let that happen. And so he rose up and said, no. But even if all our efforts are for naught, we still can have this encounter with the living God. We change what we can. We try with all of our might to do so. But the hope that we have in Christ is undefeated by the world. As Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Not, not a reason not to change the world. We, we, we need to try. But this interior freedom that we have can never be taken away from us. All right, Benedict continues talking about this freedom in Christ in Space Salvi. He said this, quote, We are not slaves of the universe, of the laws of material causality. We are free. Because heaven is not empty, because God is the Lord of the universe, who in Jesus has revealed himself as love. End of quote. Now, this is very, very important. Heaven is not empty. There's so many materialists out there that think that there's nothing that happens after death. That death is truly the end. We're all just going to the grave and there's nothing beyond. But no, love awaits us in eternity in heaven because the Trinity is there the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, this communion of love. And that's who God is. God is a family, a divine family of love, the love between the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, this eternal exchange of love. And of course, very famously, uh, John, the Apostle John in the New Testament says, God is love. And that was also the title of another encyclical by Benedict, uh, Benedict, Deus Caritas Est, God is love. So, This is heaven. This is what's waiting for us in heaven, not to mention the angels and all the saints who are cheering us on. As the book of Hebrews tells us, like a great cloud of witnesses, they're there, they're enjoying this love, and they want us to experience it as well. And heaven is not empty, far from it. Uh, We need to populate it with, hopefully, ourselves, our friends and family, everybody we meet as well. We need to make them aware of this freedom and this love. All right, well, later on in in Space Salvi, he, he talks about this relationship between hope and faith and he makes a a really insightful i mean everything he says is insightful but he says quote many people reject the faith today simply because they do not find the prospect of eternal life attractive the present crisis of faith is essentially a crisis of christian hope so this is really interesting that this idea that people don't find eternal life attractive it's is heaven boring? I think for a lot of people it seems boring, but it's not. It's anything but. That's why Peter Crave wrote this book called Heaven, the Heart's Deepest Longing, because we don't preach about it enough. We don't talk about it enough. And C.S. Lewis said that, you know, and I'm paraphrasing C.S. Lewis here. He said, if, if no matter what kinds of human experiences I have, as sublime as they might be on an earthly level, If they never leave me completely satisfied, I'm never completely satisfied. No matter how much money I have, no matter how much pleasure I experience, I always feel empty in the end. I always keep wanting more. If there's there's nothing in this world that can satisfy this in me, then that must mean that I'm made for another world. And this is where we find the heart's deepest longing for everything in heaven. All these desires that we have can be fulfilled there. So it's anything but boring eternal life. I think the way we probably have explained it in the past seems boring. So we've got to work on some better preaching there. That's for sure. But 
here's here's instead of hoping in heaven though unfortunately as benedict points out in space salvi people hope in the wrong thing he says quote the restoration of the lost paradise is no longer expected from faith but from technical and scientific progress which will give rise to the kingdom of man hope is thus transformed into faith in progress and so this is really a huge problem here the people are, are putting their trust in technology, and, and that's true in a lot of ways. We can uh, objectify and, and almost worship material items like the latest iPhone, whatever the case might be. We can be more excited about that than we are about the faith. But even this idea, uh, Elon Musk talking about how he wants to replicate human consciousness using technology can't be done. You can't create a soul. I, I would argue that your consciousness is part of your soul, and only God can infuse a soul, an eternal soul in a person. And so if the body dies, I don't think, I don't think the, con the consciousness can be preserved in, in a lab or in a device or in a chip or anything like that. But uh, we have to understand that, yes, technology is great. It, it can, it, it's a tool that can help us. Uh, progress is great. It, it can help us. Science is great. It helps us understand God's universe. But ultimately, we need God for meaning for those big why questions. And this is why he says, Pope Benedict in Space Salvi, he says, man needs God. He says, we can say quite simply, man needs God, otherwise he remains without hope. We're saved in hope, but if we don't have hope, if we don't have God, we have no hope. He says, man can never be redeemed simply from outside. Man is redeemed by love and unconditional, absolute love. He says, man's great true hope that holds firm in spite of all disappointments can only be God. God who has loved us and who continues to love us till the end, until all is accomplished. End of quote. And it's true that human loves and hopes can let us down because people are, are sinners. They're fallible. Uh, things can conspire against us, the events, but God's love is always faithful and it will never, never disappoint us. So how do we how do we practice this? How do we put this hope into practice? Well, Bendix says there's really four settings that we can practice this hope. Number one, prayer. He says, quote, when no one listens to me anymore, God still listens to me. When there's no longer anyone to help me, he can help me, end of quote. So there's prayer. He also says deeds of service to others because this is how we get to a, a, what he calls a more humane world. And he says, if you only can understand that your own life and human history in general are held firm by the indestructible power of love, that's the only way you can hold tight to hope. And also suffering. That's the third thing. He says, suffering is another setting in which we learn hope. Now, we've got to try to reduce suffering as much as possible, but people try to run away from it. And I think that's that's what the, the whole euthanasia movement is all about. It's running away from suffering. And certainly with palliative care now, we, no one needs to be in any pain, debilitating pain. But our capacity for accepting suffering, not running away from it, maturing through it, as he says, finding meaning through union with Christ, who also suffered with love, with infinite love, that can help us to grow. And he says it's a cruel and inhuman society that cannot accept those who suffer. And I think in many ways we want to just put them out of our sight. We don't want to deal with the suffering. We don't want to be reminded of our own mortality. That's not the way. And one last thing, <laughs> and it leads very nicely into the last thing. He says the fourth thing you need to think about here is the judgment of God. <laughs> How can this help our hope? It doesn't seem, well, it seems like something to be scared of. No. And this is what St. Paul has been saying again and again in Romans chapter 8. There's a resurrection of the flesh. There is justice. There is absolute justice. 
God is a God of justice. He's going to right all the wrongs. And, and every injustice that we have suffered is going to be made right in heaven. And, and there's reparation. There's reparation. And the injustice of history, he says, is not going to be the final word. Thanks be to God and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So there's so much we could say about this. And Mary, of course, is the star of hope. It's one of the last things he says. It's a long prayer to Our Lady at the end because she hoped even through the cross and Holy Saturday as Jesus was in the tomb, she knew he would rise again. She's the star of our hope. And so we've got to entrust everything to her. All right, so that's it for this episode of The Faith Explained, but check out Space Salvi. Please read it. It's still so fresh. And right now let's dip into The Faith Explained Q&A mailbag. Okay, as we dip into the Faith Explained Q&A session right now, I want to remind you that you can email me your questions. I'll try to answer them on the air. Good time to do it. Kind of reaching the end of the mailbag. Need a new influx of queries. You can send me your email. The address is faith at relevantradio.com, F-A-I-T-H at relevantradio.com. You can also find me on the X app. It's the only social media app that I'm on, at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E Clark with an E. All right. So I want to I want to talk a little bit about the question of an infinite universe because th- this is a question that the people ask a lot, um, especially students ask this a lot. They they tend to say something like this: you, know, you Catholics and other Christians, you believe in a first cause of the universe, a prime mover, which you call God, as as the first cause of every other cause that, that subsequently happens. But isn't that just simply the poverty of your imagination? Why can't there be an infinite series of events, an infinite regress of causes or explanations in the universe? Well, Dr. William Lane Craig, great apologist, uh, he's not a Catholic. I pray that he will become Catholic one day. But he's done an incredible job defending things like the resurrection of Jesus, and he's just great with philosophy and theology. He once answered a person this way who was asking that very question. How do you, how do you, how do you talk to somebody who, who believes in an infinite series of, of past causes? Well, he said it's, it's a little bit like the fraudulent practice of check kiting. I, and hopefully none of us have ever done this. And I haven't even heard of this before. But let's say you have no money in your checking account. So you write a check to somebody from your empty account, but in order to cover that check so it doesn't bounce, you write another check drawn from a different and also empty account. And then to cover that check, you write another check drawn on yet another empty account, and so on, and so on, and so on. It can go back as long as you wanted to, and you would never be able to pay your debts (laughs) because every check is essentially worthless. It's literally not worth the paper it's printed on. But having a first cause in the universe, according to Dr. Craig, it's like having money in the bank because you can actually do real stuff with it. It can produce real effects. You can write checks that won't bounce. You can you can purchase items. You can buy food that will nourish your body. You can uh, buy a car that will get you from point A to point B. Stuff is going to start to happen. But if you just have a, a, a series of mere intermediate causes like these you know, checks that are no good, that will not produce an actual real change. Or he says, Here, here's another example you could think about. It's a thought experiment. A train that has an infinite number of boxcars moving along the track. Well, 
doesn't there have to be an engine somewhere along the line propelling these boxcars forwards? Or what about a, a watch running that doesn't have a spring, just has an infinite number of gears that keep grinding, but where's the spring? And here's another one that I, that I really like from, from Dr. William Lane Craig. He said, what if you, just imagine this, if you will, a library that has an infinite number of black books in the library and an infinite number of red books in the library as well. Now, if somebody signs out one of the red books, there's still the exact same amount of red books as black books because there's an infinite number of red books and an infinite number of black books in the library. But we know that that's not the case because you've just taken one out. So there's no such thing as an actual infinite number of anything. And there certainly isn't such a thing as an infinite number of past causes. There has to be a first cause. And that, we would say, is not a that, it's a who, it's God. So hopefully that, that helps if you ever get that question thrown at you. And it's a difficult one. There's, there's no question that it is difficult. Okay, speaking of the word infinite, here, here's another question. Here's another question that people ask. It's kind of unrelated. Why doesn't God give people an infinite amount of time to accept the gospel? And theoretically extending even past death. Why don't people get a second chance after death if they've never accepted the gospel, the truths of the Catholic Church in this life? Well, again, William Lane Craig said, if people had an infinite amount of time to respond, then God really wouldn't be God because justice would never be served. Because God is obviously not only a God of mercy, but he is a God of justice. God is morally perfect, and he does offer mercy. He does offer divine mercy. But in order for him to be just, he has to deal with the sin. So our choices are either have Jesus deal with your sin problem or deal with it yourself. <laughs> I know which one I'd rather choose. The other thing, too, is that people make an assumption that if I just had more time, I would eventually turn to God. Or if this person had only had more time, they would have seen the light. Really? You now, as Seinfeld might have said, really? Is that really the case? Because God sees the heart. He knows what's in the human heart. As it says in the Gospel of John, Jesus knew what was in a person. And he would not entrust himself to these people who wanted to make him king. He, he knew their hearts. He knew what they were really after. And just like Pharaoh, people can harden their hearts against God. And God knows whether or not a person will respond. Now, they still have free will. Don't get me wrong. But God, if he knew, for example, that, let's say somebody dies, but if they had only lived one more day, they would have actually turned their life over to Christ and asked for forgiveness. God, knowing all things, surely would have let that person live for one more day so that that person could be forgiven. God is literally dying to forgive people. This is exactly what happened on the cross. So the reality of the situation is that God knows the heart and he knows whether or not if someone is allowed to live for a period of time longer shorter whatever the case may be whether or not they'd respond he knows but he does respect our free will and and the great tragedy the great drama of life is that it is possible to say no to god and to be separated from him for all eternity as c.s lewis said the door to hell is locked from the inside so let's make sure that we don't do that, that we open the door wide for Christ. This is what JP2 said. 
open the doors wide for Jesus Christ so that he can come into our lives and change us. So let's, let's not put up any kind of barriers or any kind of delays in making that decision for Christ. Do it today. As St. Paul said, now is the time of salvation. Today is the day of redemption. We've got to take advantage of it. We've got to help other people to do the same. Well, if you have a question for me in our Q&A segment of the show, you can send it to me. The email address is faith at relevantradio.com. I'm your host, Cale Clark. Thanks for joining me for The Faith Explained today. Hope you'll stick with Relevant Radio all day long. I'll be back later today, 5 p.m. Central for The Cale Clark Show. And until then, God bless you. 